Welcome to Orders Beyond Borders, an audio interview series as part of the Berlin Social Science Center, Bitsy B's new blog. In this series, we bring you insights from leading scholars and emerging researchers in the field of international relations and global politics. This is a project by the International Politics and Law Department of the Berlin Social Science Center, run by the unit's global governance, governance for global health and global humanitarian medicine. Today we have with us Sifiso Ndlovu. He is a professor of history at the University of South Africa and executive director at the South African Democracy Education Trust and editor-in-chief of the multi-volume Road to Democracy in South Africa series and also a member of the UNESCO's scientific committee responsible for updating the general history of Africa series. Professor Ndlovu, it's great to have you here. So I was impressed to hear that the uprising by the Soweto youths didn't begin on June 16, 1976. So tell us, when did it all start? The dominant narrative claims that uh, the Soweto uprisings were spontaneous. Yeah, It's like we woke up one day on June 16 and we decided to stand up against the oppressive apartheid regime. I do understand why that narrative is dominant. It's two things. One, it's the main fact that as Africans, you know, we don't have agency, you know, particular kids, children, mm. you know. There must be someone who really sort of push them from the behind, you know, and influence them. Yeah. So if that really is not part of the picture, you have to come up with an easy sort of simplistic view that, you know, those kids were out of their mind. You know, it was something that was just spontaneous. Yeah. It just happened. Yeah. Out of the blue. I was about 13, 14 years old then. We were shocked when we arrived after using English as a medium of instruction mm. during our first year at secondary school. You know, we discovered that we are required now to use Africans. For us, Africans was really a language of the oppressor. And talking about the medium of instruction, you know, there are several African writers who have spoken about, you know, that English is still the colonizer's language and we shouldn't be speaking English. For for you people then, at the age of 14, what was it about Africans that you were like, no, we don't want this as a medium of instruction in our school? Let, let, let me put it this way. The it's, it's a history. It's yeah. a long history within South Africa itself as a country because the colonizers, that is the Dutch and the English, had their own battles. Yeah. Mm. 
and 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 the Dutch were the first ones to colonize us, but the English took power away from them. But to cut a long story short, in 1910 they bended up together against us, you know, and 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 they excluded us. But what was surprising when the Dutch, that is the Afrikaners, gained ascendancy. They repeated what the English did to them mm. in terms of ruling us. So so rather than being clever about it, that through our life experiences, we shouldn't repeat the same mistakes that the English did. Yeah. You know, but they, 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 they did exactly the same things that they up even up until today. White South Africans are not homogeneous in a sense, but they are homogeneous in as far as when it comes to us mm-hmm. as Africans, you know, being our overlords. On that score, they see eye to eye, but practically day to day, the English and the Africaners, they, they don't. They don't see eye to eye because mm-hmm. of that history. Oh, okay. Because of that history. So we were caught up in that. For us, for example, I did my primary schooling through my own mother tongue, through using African languages. Okay. So when I went to high school, the first year of high school, mm-hmm. that's when now I was compelled to switch from using my mother tongue, that is Sisi Zulu, and use English. Okay. My first year of uh, secondary school. Okay. Now, the second year of secondary school, I'm now compelled to change again and now use Africans. So it's like, I mean, in terms of education that doesn't make sense because it simply means that in three years I'm using three medium of instruction Mm. for us as young as we were we knew that both languages they are languages that are imposed upon us yeah. The languages of the colonizers. Yeah. But now I'm a thirteen year old. Then I'm supposed to be just like another kid. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to think in those abstract terms. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> which 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 leads which leads me to my next question that like most fourteen year olds are not thinking about organizing rallies and marches and demonstrations and at that point you guys were doing that and even without the realization that at the end of the day most of you were not going to make it so how did you go about organizing and calling other people to join the, in? the thing the thing is it's only when i'm a grown-up i realize that this is what we were doing <laughs> you know yeah you know just thinking about matters through and then reasoning that cultural imperialism yeah. is really what is at play here. But we know that we operate around the upper marks 
the first class and the distinctions. That's why they've clapped us together. Suddenly, we're getting mics like like twenty percent, thirty percent. Things now are not working. We have to make sense of our lives. Yeah. We've never been in this position before, so we say no. Things are not working. We then ask our teachers that, please, we can tell that as a teacher, we are struggling to teach us effectively because we're quite aware that last year, using English as a medium of instruction, you were on top of things. Mm -hmm. And the main reason being when you went to college and to university to attain your teacher's degree or certificate, you were trained using English. Mm -hmm. So, as young students, we can tell you are struggling. No, you are not on top of your, of your game. And we also realize that you are also not happy about the fact that you know us as a special class that last year when you were teaching us whichever subject the only subject which we were not using africans as a middle of instructions were two was zulu as language and literature and english as language and literature the rest was in africans so you know that we are capable. Yeah. You wouldn't expect us to get 20%, 30%, or 40 or 50 for that matter. So what has to be done? Mm. Because of the racist apartheid system and oppression in South Africa, the teacher cannot do much because then he was going to be accused by the, by the authorities of politicking. Huh. And what are the results of that? If they're accused of doing that, they're going to be fired. It's going to be a bread and butter issue. So young as we were, we felt pity for our teachers mm. because we knew they were capable. So we asked them to excuse themselves from teaching us because we are not getting any benefits out of this but the funny thing is that it's not funny. It's probably to show that the authorities were really abusing us because we think that when we discuss as it last that they are using us, they want to train us to be black Africaners so that in future they can use that as sellouts to control African people. So we sort of uncle Tom's that are being highly trained and to be proxies mm. you know so 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 we then say to our teachers no it's enough for us we are not taking this anymore because what we don't understand we belong to the same schools but the senior students have been exonerated they are using English, for us, we are used as guinea fowls, you know, that we are a control group, we are a sample that when the authorities want to see that 
if they use us, will this system be successful? Yeah. With the senior students, it's too late. Let them complete. They are the last group mm -hmm. to use English. These ones will be the ones who will commence from the beginning right up until they exit the, you know, the, the high school or secondary school system. And then they go to university. They will attend Africans medium universities. Yeah. They are there. Yeah. So then we said to our teachers, no, can we meet the principal so that he should also call the school board and also call the inspectors and those responsible in terms of the Bantu education. Education in South Africa was separated into three spheres. Okay. As for Bantu education for us, there's a department of white education. Hmm. And then there's for white students. And then there's a department for both Indian and colored. Colored are mixed race. Yeah. And, so for we are the third class citizens. The Indians and the colors are second class citizens. The whites are first class citizens. For every hundred pounds that the government spend on the white kid, the government spends about five pence hmm. for an African kid. You know, so 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 those were the other issues. Yeah. So the authorities are white. So we asking them as as, as as they are in control of the Department of Bantu Education, we are asking the local authorities to come and explain to us. We don't get any positive response because the issue is you are kids. You don't know anything mm. about this, you know. So we're not going to listen to you. So that's when we said to our teachers, no ways, can you explain, can you, can you please excuse yourself? We don't want to put pressures on to you because we don't want you to be accused of being instigators. We really not getting anywhere with our school principal because he can't convince the authorities, they are dismissive of him. So what we are going to do, we're going to come to school every day of our lives. We're going to be on our own in our classrooms and we're going to make it a point that we try and teach ourselves. That's when we started to grapple with the issues that when I think about it now, we were thinking about issues which are so complex and abstract mm -hmm. because we're thinking about the effects of the system onto us. And for me, we're really discussing the effects of cultural imperialism onto our daily lives as students because that's when we started to reason that, yes, we might be nerds and upstarts thinking that we know it all. We are not the only people who are affected. So we decide during our class discussions because we said, those class discussions, they're out of bounds for teachers. We say, okay. no, unity must prevail. We must go and sort of conscientize yeah. the other students 
to be part of us because we are facing the common enemy that mm -hmm. is Africans as a medium of instruction. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter which subject are you doing. So we went to mobilize them and we won them over and 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 now these are young twelve year, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year olds. Yeah. We wake up every day. We go to school as if things are normal. We don't tell our parents that things are tough. We are not receiving effective education. And are you planning a demonstration? We, 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 <laughs> we are planning. You know, our teachers allow us to do that because we are operating within the schoolyard. They can account for us. Yeah. At the same time, they still have to teach the senior students who are continuing with their education. But when we think about the matters, we then realize that we're not benefiting. You know, we've lost February, we've lost March, lost April. In three months, we're not, we're not benefiting. It's now May, and we've been running around in circles discussing this issue. And as I said, it's sort of, it, this is passive resistance. Mm. Then we say now, using passive resistance as a, as, 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 as a weapon is not effective. We have to go above the ground now and let it be known throughout the schooling system that we are dissatisfied. That is when in May now we went all out vociferously in public and we went on strike officially as a school. Our school is called Pefeni Junior Secondary School, that is mm -hmm. another name is called Orlando West Junior Secondary School. Okay. If you've been to Soweto, yeah. Yeah, it's the school which is opposite Nelson Mandela's yes. house yeah. in Soweto. Mm. But then that was not enough. Immediately afterwards, we then decided that in Soweto as a whole, I think there were about six or seven schools that were chosen for that pilot program then we decided that okay we've done that officially we're on strike now the next level we have to go now and conscientize the other schools to join us mm. because we are in the same boat with them so we mandated some of the students to be our leaders to go and sort of form and establish a working relationship with the other schools who were successful. But unlike us, their parents through school boards, within a week or two, they convinced them to go back to the classroom. Yeah. But with us, we didn't go back to the classroom. And we then went back to the drawing board. We decided what is the next step now we said, no, the next step now is 
the elephant in the room here is the senior students. They're carrying on with their education as if nothing is happening, you know, to us as junior students. Instead of them providing us with, 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 with the leadership, no. They, they are selling out. We're going to sort them out because it was now already June. Yeah. They were writing their half yearly examination. So we said, now enough is enough. We're just going to stop them from doing that. The fact that they're too full of themselves, they know it all, the senior students, we don't know anything. We're going to show them. <laughs> so At 14. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we did that. Whilst they were writing the exam, we invaded their space. We went into their classes. We tore up the exam papers and, and their scripts and we said, out. <laughs> so they couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't resist it. I think we caught, we caught them off guard. We caught them off guard. And after that, they then suddenly realized that this issue is serious. That's when now they joined us. And then when they joined us, then there was structure and organization mm. that we said on our side, we've done our bit. We are more articulate than us. Let's take this thing to the next level. Yeah. That is when now they start now saying amongst us, there should be representatives together with them, senior students, that will go those representatives will go to all the high schools in Soweto and mobilize them yeah. to join our struggle. That's when now, as I said, the organization of students sort of gelled because they called a meeting consisting of a committee of those students who were senior, who were not affected, mm -hmm. but really who sympathized with us. And they met with the guys that were mandated to present us on the 13th, I think the 12th or the 13th of June. They formed a committee, they discussed the issue. It was a Saturday. It was during those deliberations, the committee took a decision that on Wednesday, the 16th of June, we should go out on a march to really march to the offices, the regional offices of the Bantu Education Department mm. to give them, to hand them over a memorandum which reflected our grievances at students. Then it was all, all, all systems go that we will be marching on the 16th of June. All the schools in Soweto will uh, really be united. And it was just going to be a peaceful march. We dropped the memorandum wherever at the regional offices of the authorities. And after that, we don't know what will happen. Mm. 
you know, but one didn't know that actually we were making history up until today. That day is really etched in the memory of our of our history of South Africa. This concludes the first part of our interview with Professor Ndlovu. Tune in next week as we continue our conversation about the events of June 16, 1976. Thank you for joining us on Orders Beyond Borders. If you have enjoyed this, check out our blog at ordersbeyondborders.blog.vitsibi.eu or follow us on Twitter using the handle at obblog as well as on Facebook. You will find these links and more information in the description to this episode. Also, would like to hear what you think. If you have any comments or feedback on the series, write to us. You can reach us via email at obb.vitcb.eu as well as through our social media channels. This interview was produced by me, Linda Irulo, and Cedric Hawk. The team also includes Mitja Sinknesht, Yelena Tupach, and Irem Ebetuk. That's it for today. Until next time.